Welcome to That That Don't Kill Me, a podcast for all the things we don't say about health, illness, and disability from the people who live it every day. I'm Kendall Seesmeyer. And I'm Jameson Rich. And this is our podcast. Woo! Wow, Kendall, we're doing it. We're We're really doing it. Episode one. Do it makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. Can only make me Congrats on the twenty thousand, you guys, really. Congratulations. So the tone of this podcast, the theme of this podcast, we're not here to be sad. We're here to just like... It's funny and light. Yeah. And... Uh, well, maybe not light. <laughs> I think it can... I think it can Okay. Be well, well, we might have light moments, but... Yes. <laughs> uh, lighter, <laughs> lighter than you might normally imagine. Yeah. This I think kind that's, of... That's real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, like, I think like Netflix dead to me is a good good tonal map partner for us plus meets the fault in our stars jamie we're not we're not doing that here it has to there's <laughs> if we're doing something about it has to be meets the fault in our stars. Yeah. you have to fit in that's if you're doing anything about illness, illness or disability it's you have to finish that sentence with, <laughs> with the fault plus the fault in our stars, stars. I mean, that's the only option. It's I legally do, mandated. <laughs> I do love that movie. Yeah, for sure. It makes me cry every time. Yeah. But. And it's, you know, it's, I think it's very true to all of our experiences. It's very true. Yeah. Everything about it. When you, when you find out that the thing, like, this is definitely we're talking about things that aren't said. Things that's definitely not said is when you like find out that you are as a teenager like someone who has or a young adult someone who has illness one of the first things that they do is they give you an ill-fated star-crossed romance in the hot they, that's like that comes standard issue what do you mean i never got that oh you didn't get that no i missed out on that opportunity clearly. oh damn yeah i was in the hospital with a bunch of babies got totally robbed no i was too yeah no. <laughs> just infants yeah just me and the infants infants and the occasional 40 year old and you're like how'd you get in here <laughs> yeah who let you in <laughs> who let you also in? can i stay forever yeah <laughs> um Anyway, we will move on, but uh, we're really excited to to be doing this. Yeah, that's the show. It's going to be great. And we're going to bring you all different kinds of topics from dating stories to monetizing your trauma. Yeah, how, you know talking about it like we're doing right now yeah it's it's there's no topic off limits and it's we're here to talk about literally every aspect of life that you might experience that is colored and affected by illness or disability because when you have illness or disability pretty much every aspect of your life is colored by it to some degree yeah there's it's very little where it doesn't intrude in in some small way yeah i mean i think that's that's certainly true. I think that that's also something that I personally would never admit to. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a it's a it's a hard thing to acknowledge and I like I definitely like to think for a long time that it like 
there were things that it didn't touch, but I feel like it, for me, it touches everything. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's real. So we're, we're hoping to, um, bring you a bunch of different kinds of topics, a bunch of different kinds of conversations and everything that you don't expect. Yes. So prepare yourselves. Yeah. People. Yeah. It's going to get real. Going to get raw. Gonna <laughs> authentic. Be, it's going to be an honest conversation. It's going to be really authentic. An honest conversation where we just like. Transparent. And we just, you say the things that people don't say, but we're saying them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're allowed to. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so that's that's the show. Is That's the show. Um, Kendall, how was your week? Oh, Jamie, my week was interesting. On on a pain scale. On the long, on Baker, the long Baker pain, pain scale, scale. Of one to ten. Which, if you're not familiar, just to, you know, introduce yes. our audience to the convention, when you visit any kind of ER, urgent care, hospital situation, your intake is always met with a, well, can you rate your pain on a scale of one to ten and when you're young they show you faces yeah because you're too stupid to understand numbers yeah so, so they, they just, just got to show you pictures of faces <laughs> that are ill-drawn <laughs> yeah they're, <laughs> they're just like, like it's messed like, up and scriggly and like you don't actually have any idea yeah what. it's like smiley face on a scale of smiley face to like sobbing face right um which to me i've always had a re- i just hate the pain scale it's so bad it's yeah. so stupid it makes it's no like, sense Pain is relative. Like, what's a hangnail? Pain is relative, right? Is a hangnail one because hangnails hurt. They pain cause is pain. Totally relative, and also there's plenty of things that happen to people that are causing that cause distress that are not necessarily pain all the time. In yeah, the way well, that pain can be perceived in a variety of different ways. For right? sure, like dull pain, sharp the, pain. Like there can be massive distress. discomfort that doesn't feel like a sharp. Sure. There can be, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's a messed up scale. But to that end, we are going to be using it every week <laughs> to, to figure out how our weeks went. Yeah. So this week, what do you, this what do you week? Like? Um, oh man. <laughs> well, if 10, if, if 10 is death <laughs> and one is el- elation, yeah. That's, I'm going to make that my scale. Sure. At least That's for a good today. Way to do it, yeah. Um, my week was probably three. It's pretty three, good. Three, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Um, I did. I did have some. Some. Some rocky moments. <laughs> some rocky moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, ate something weird over the weekend. Mm. Shit myself. No, I didn't shit myself. <laughs> I, had right. the, I had the shits all week long. Yeah. Don't this is this is a lot. Now everyone's gonna know. Yeah. That's how your week was. That's honest. That's how my week was. This is out the gate. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Honesty. Yeah. We're talking about poop. <laughs> um so that was interesting. So that was your, yeah. I was like, is this over? Do we I'm still like are we good now, guys? Like, yeah. is this over? Are we? We know what Katy what Perry we, says. What are we doing here? What does Katy Perry say? Even though it's over, it's never really over. <laughs> well, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> how, for me. how is it feeling now? How are you I'm hoping. Now? I'm hoping I don't need antibiotics to treat some kind of intestinal infection. Oh, that is boy. what I'm hoping. Have you? But do, have you been to like an urgent care? Yet? No, no, no. Yeah. It's not that severe. Yeah. It's sure. just like, oh, I feel bad in the morning, and yeah. then, you know, yeah, poop it all out, and then we're good. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you feel better. You get, so that, get that negativity out. <laughs> so, Jamie. Yeah. How was your week? My week rocked. I had a great week. Oh, my God. Um, Tell me about it. I don't know. It's just like it's the, it's the summer. I feel good. I'm living life. Amazing. You know. Um, what's your What's your number? I guess going on going on year stands, and this is another reason why the pain scale doesn't make any sense. Is because of like, if you want to say that you're good, you're at like a zero or a one, which is not how you rate, which is not how that scale works like anywhere else during life. Like if someone's like scale one to ten, how are you feeling? You're like I'm fucking ten, rock solid. <laughs> yeah. But here, if you're like, the, if you if want you're to 10, express, you're dying. Yeah, if you want to express like I'm feeling good, you have to be like, yeah, um, I'm zero, one. Yeah, sounds doesn't it's work. Opposite. But yeah, so I'm probably a one. I, I you know, or near it. Had had a really nice week. Week. I love Amazing. I love summer in New York City and um you didn't have the shits. I did not have the shits. Oh, luckily. That's I'm so happy um, for you. One of us has to have it each week and this week it's not <laughs> me. So I'm thankful Thank for you. that. It's not my uh, week. I took one for the team. Yeah. Yep. You're welcome. And I'll you know I'll be back here with it next week. Um but yeah, I, I had a great week. I also just want to say like a couple more notes about like why I hate the pain scale okay. so much. I don't know if you experienced this, but for me, have, like I spent, you know, spending long periods of time inpatient, like the pain scale was also like a daily thing. Like, oh, once like you're how inpatient. are you doing now? Yeah, your, it was right. Your pain. Yeah. Once. It was like, how are you doing today? Like, and, oh yeah. And one thing that would happen it's is like a metric of success. Exactly. It was like, they, they'd use it to judge how like a week was going inpatient, even though it was like, oh, there's other factors here. There's other um, metrics you need to look at. And another thing that annoyed me is like, I'm not, I'm not taking notes when I'm inpatient. I'm not making a fucking, I don't have a chart. I would get like a nurse. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but like a nurse would ask me in the morning, you know, how, you know, how's your pain? And I'd be like, oh, it's a seven. Give, give me something. Um, and maybe a couple hours later, if it was still there, they'd ask me again. And I would completely, of course, forget what, you said. what I had said hours earlier. Like, oh no, he's worse. Or, or I'd be like, I'd be like, um, yeah, I'm a six. And they'd be like, so you're good. You're all, you're all great. And I'm like, what? No, I don't remember what I said three hours ago. I'm yeah. not, I'm not doing too hot. Well, I never, I would like, you know, come into the ER and be like very, very sick. And they'd be like, what's your pain scale number? And I'm like, mm, this is stupid. But, um, I would always say like seven. Yeah. I would never say like 10, nine, eight. They're like, oh, you're not that bad. I'm like, no, I'm honestly Ex horrible, but I know I could be worse. Exactly. And that's why it's so ineffective <laughs> is because leaving room for worse. Not only is it subjective, but it's you're reconciling your subjectivity with another person's subjectivity. And yeah. yeah, you're going, you're talking to someone who has their notion. And it's also like if you say 10 in an ER, no matter what the situation is, they will like, they, you know, call, you know, uh, the walls like fly out, like SWAT team comes in, like the whole scene changes. If you tell someone like a medical professional, like, oh, I'm at a 10. This is the worst thing ever. They're like, we have to rush you to the, you know, to surgery or something. But you know that there are those people who are like 10 about everything. Yeah, for it's sure. Like, they have no concept of like what actually could be bad. Right. So they just go 10, yeah. 10, 10, 10, 10, Yeah, 10, they're 10, babies 10. who have not experienced yeah. real pain. Babies. Yeah, <laughs> we know real pain. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway, the pain scale sucks, moral yeah. of the story. And, and it's um, how we're going to begin every episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> we think it's funny. <laughs> um, 
we think it's funny. We do. Think Maybe it's funny. other people will. Maybe they won't. We'll I'm, see. I'm ready to get Not like sure a, we care. I'm ready to get a bunch of like really angry Twitter comments. It's like my father was actually murdered by the Wong Baker pain scale, <laughs> and I don't think it's so funny for you to make light of it. <laughs> oh, I can't. I mean, honestly, if we, if we get that Twitter comment. Yeah. We know we've made it. So made that's, it. That's when that's, we'll know. We have to be ready for the fact that we're going to say some things on the show that people take uh, offense to, for sure. Well, I mean, welcome to my life. Yeah. I feel like every single <laughs> every thing I've day. ever done in my entire life, people are like, I was like 14 and people are like, bleeding heart liberal. Yeah. Take care of the children in America, why don't you? About like a story about me helping children in sub-Saharan Africa. So like, you did know, you ever get around to helping the children in America though? Um, no, no, never got. Honestly, I didn't get there. Got around yeah, to it. Whatever. Yeah, well. So you know, haters gonna hate. <laughs> haters gonna hate, and we're and we're talking about honestly. Our, yeah. If you if you got that hater that is mad at you about the Wong Baker pain scale, then I will feel like I've made it. I know. That'd be so great. I hope that happens. Um, <laughs> so uh, we-, we we want to tell you, begin this, you know, show by, by telling you why we're doing this show, how we met, um, and talk about a little bit about like uh who who we are who we are and why we're why we're qualified to do this why i mean we're, yeah we're very qualified we're very qualified <laughs> but like you know a little bit about what our experience i guess with illness is um because i think our hope going we're gonna tell you our sob stories yes now. um i think our hope going forward is that we're gonna have some awesome guests on and talk to some other folks so we want to begin by saying like here's here's who we are because that that might not um i mean we'll also talk about ourselves as the week goes on the weeks go on but yeah um yeah, so, um, and we also want to talk about the topic of disclosure Ooh. in a uh, in a big, wide definition, kind of as wide as you can define that, just meaning um, how we and how people talk about and tell others about their illness, mm-hmm. um, like how you let someone know on a personal level, how you let someone know on a public level, how you let a lot of people know. Um, and, and, and it's a topic we'll also revisit probably in, in different contexts and a lot of episodes. Cause it's like, it's a huge, I mean, it's a, a major factor of navigating the world of illness is like totally. when you and how you and why you need to let other people know at different times totally. and, and, you know, so. The decision to do that and what the kind of um, considerations are. Right. Well. And, and what the consequences can be, both good and bad, um, the ways that you frame it, the things that you tell, the things that you leave out. Um, yeah. Experiences where we told too much yep. or mm-hmm. told too little yeah. and regretted it. Yeah. Uh, so first off Jamie and I want to tell you guys a little bit of how we met yes so Jamie and I met or Jameson rather <laughs> you can Jamie, call me Jamie Jameson, yeah, it's fine. they're interchangeable yeah um so we met when I read Jamie's uh, modern love column in the New mm. York Times like oh so highbrow um and <laughs> ever heard of it yeah ever um, heard of that local newspaper yeah. um it's about 
three years ago now. Yeah, it was a while Almost ago. Yeah. I remember because like I had so many people send it to me. Really? Yeah. Like wow. my mom sent it to me. Thanks, mom. <laughs> um, I had a couple of friends who sent it to me um, because they obviously knew that what Jamie had written about, which was the title of the column was The Shirt Stays On. Yes. And it was about dating with, dating with and hooking up with yes. illness. Yeah. And I read it. And to me, it was like, obviously, so much more than a love piece, right? Mm. Or a piece about like dating, romance, love. Right. Um, it was such an encapsulation of all a lot of my feelings and experiences and this like very interesting package of 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 a love column um and not only did i identify with the exact experience of like hooking up with people and having scars mm. or other things and not wanting people to see them or know about them or uh, not wanting to have to trust someone with that or not wanting right. to have to like, you know, uh, go there when you're just trying to like, you know, have some that's have some fun. Yeah. a little less serious. Right. And but I also I like identified with that moment, obviously, but I also identified so much with just Jamie's whole story. Uh, it seemed that as if our stories were so similar mm -hmm. and I always really cared about writing about my experiences mm -hmm. and that was always helpful to me. So I was just like, like super impressed <laughs> that Jamie had done that and done it in such a beautiful, for lack of a better word, oh, way. And and then I made it into the New York Times. Yeah. It was so cool. And so then I stalked him. <laughs> I think I found you, you on Facebook, I think oh, was maybe. the original. Yeah. Um but I found him on all the platforms, honestly. I, was on, I just I went was on all the whole, yeah. I just went all in <laughs> and um, stalked Jamie, introduced myself. Yeah. I totally forget what I said. I was just like, I'm Kendall remember. and like I've had two liver transplants and yeah. we should be friends. Right. <laughs> also, think, yeah. we're the same age. Right. And living in New York City. Well, I was at the time in college, I think. Because I think it really? was really 2016. Well, it was 2016. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I no, was in New were, York. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I was. I think I said like we should meet up. Yeah. And you. And I think you followed me on Twitter, and I followed you back. And I think it took you a while to follow me back. Though, oh, really? TBH. I think I like unfollowed oh, wow. and refollowed and unfollowed and refollowed just to try to like make you notice me. Oh, oh wow. I didn't. <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm sorry. It's okay. Wow. But I'm. I'm burned. Um. What's cool no, I, about this yeah. is that at the kind of exact, um, I don't know, like the exact theme of our relationship or how our friendship began was with disclosure. Right. It was at the center. Jamie's in a very public way and right. mine in a more personal, private way. Right. So I think this podcast is actually really our kind of mutual decision to disclose at more than potentially we've ever disclosed right and a very pub i mean it's a very public disclosure yeah. uh, this is going to be available online i even like and i had to get we're this promoting this like we're, yeah, yeah we're totally promoting this when we say we're talking about the stuff that we don't really normally say or don't talk about i think that's really true like we actually want to talk about i think illness disability 
you know, health issues, they affect so many more people than are willing to say. Right. Um, because there's a lot of like shame and stigma attached to these concepts. Yeah. Which is a whole nother episode for a whole nother day. But I do think like, um, you know, this is our choice to say like, hey, we want to not just talk about this in like a Twitter bio line or or in, a, in the a occasional secluded you know, piece. Yeah. piece. We're going to talk about it in like a this is something that we deal with every day or think about every day in a way that I think a lot of people do. Right. Um, and everyone just keeps it to themselves. And right. that to me feels not only not productive, it feels like it really holds us back. Totally. Um, and so that's what we're doing here is this podcast is disclosure and not disclosure in the sense of like, we're going to share our sob stories every day all the time. And you're going to feel really sad and mad. If you don't cry at the end of every episode, I will not have done my job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's not the goal. Um, but, uh, I think it's, it's definitely a choice of ours to be like, Hey, we're going to be open and honest about this. And we're going to like do this in a way that I, I don't really think is out there. And so that's what makes me so excited about what we're doing. Right. I totally agree with that. And I would also say like, I'm nervous about it too. I'm actively nervous. And, you know, part of, part of my my nerves come from the fact that I, I do kind of have a complicated um, feeling. I have complicated feelings and thoughts around the way illness is depicted even by people with it and and, and why and the way it's treated. And one thing that was really cool when I first like told you that I had this idea was there is definitely a way that this could be done. Um, the show could be done that is, uh, kind of goes along the lines of the, of the kind of discussion that makes me uncomfortable. And that is very like kind of, um, you know, uh, rah-rah and like um uh I don't even know how to describe it almost it's almost like a thing that you know when you see but one thing I one thing that I was pretty sure of when I brought it to you and was confirmed as soon as we had the conversation was that you kind of see things similar to how I see things right which is like this is a thing that we're doing this is a thing that's part of our lives but we are also you know, whole 3d humans. Yeah. We're many with, other things with other interests. Right. This is a part of our, you know, identity. If you want to use that word, it is not the Which whole I, thing. I, I, I automatically hate that. You hate it so much. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like even things like that. It's like, I we, 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 we bristle at that stuff everywhere. And I think you're, you and I, I think it's just page. because it's become so tropey or like right. so overused or so like, um, easy to like put all of that kind of language or content or discussion into this like very clear box yeah and i naturally hate boxes right (laughs) so uh i think that we're just here for something that feels a lot more uh normal um not normal like normal is a bad word i don't i don't even know what to say i don't even know how to describe it yeah it's it's like you know this is a part of our lives but we're not you know we're not like 
Woe is me. Right. We're not victims for sure. We're not here for your sympathy. We're not defining ourselves by our adversity. It's just a fact of our lives. It's like if you're, if your arm was always on fire, but the rest of your life was totally fine and you were allowed to go out in the world. If someone, you wouldn't pretend that your arm wasn't on fire. It's just like, I go to the grocery store and my arm's on fire. I go to my job and my arm is on fire. I go to see a movie and my arm is still on fire. You know, it's it's kind of like yeah. that. It's kind of like that to me. It's like, yeah, we go and do all this other shit and it's but still a huge like, part oh of our lives. no, his arm is on fire. And you're like, no, 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 I can, I can go to the DMV with this thing. I can do anything. <laughs> yeah. I can drive with this. It's cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's hard, but like, it's, I, I got it. I figured yeah, it out. I, yeah. and I'm doing my life with this thing. And I looked into it and my, and it turns out my arm is never not going to be on fire. Yeah. So I just have to figure out how to go to the movies with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's like the, the and not have someone the, scream fire. There's a fire. <laughs> that, so that's the best worst analogy I can come up with to that's try to like, analogy. Say is that the first time you thought about that this? That totally just came to me. That's wow. how smart I am. Wow. <laughs> totally. Kidding. I'm really, no, it, it I'm just proud of you. That, that was, that was a stroke of genius in the midst of us fumbling for words. Yeah. So trying I, to like define I, the indefinable. I like, appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so I guess we should transition into talking about uh, our own lives. Our deal. Yeah. Our deal. What's, um, what's your deal? Um, do you want to go first? I mean, we can trade sure. off. But yeah, like, we can trade off. Yeah. Um, I uh, have had chronic illness as a part of my life for my entire life. Mm. Um, was diagnosed with a, a pediatric liver disease at eight weeks old. Um, have had like, I think it's like six big liver surgeries. Um, two of those being transplants. So I like to say that I'm a liver hog. (laughs) All those people who think that they're like the ones who are destroying their livers. Well, you got nothing on me, alcoholics. (laughs) (laughs) You went back for seconds before anyone else had had Yeah, I just like breezed through a couple organs. I will take another one, please. (laughs) I liked it so much the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So I just love livers. Um, So yeah, now I'm on my third you stan livers. I stan livers, <laughs> TBD, on how many I'll go through in my lifetime. Yeah. Um, hopefully just three, but you never know. Um, and all that has kind of come with that, you know, I think, uh, I mean, without going like super deep into everything, uh, there were a lot, I had a lot of problems growing up. So it was like, Kendall seeing every specialist in the book and that kind of thing. Um, a lot of those things I did grow out of, God bless. Um, and so the liver stuff was like the main, the main uh, feature. But all of the other stuff have been like little side deals, um, which. And side deals that have, uh, sorry to interrupt, but. No, go ahead. Side deals that have come from the liver, like have caused. Yes by the and no. Okay. Um so weird things that I, you know, ended up getting that were when my liver was impacting my lungs. Didn't know that could happen, but it can. Um, also, fun fact, and actually this is the fun fact that I share almost always because it's really fun and totally weird and it gets this like amazing look from other people. But I was born with my organs flipped. Whoa. Yeah, That's so wild. my liver is on my left side. Your liver is on your right side. Mm. 
all of your all of your internal so not my um only my uh it's called abdominal situs inversus okay very very um scientific mm. situs inversus mm. um and that just means all of my abdominal organs are flipped. Gotcha. You can have the whole Upper, whole thing flipped, yeah. like your heart, and that correlates with a, a list of things. Mm-hmm. Abdominal stuff correlates with a list of things. They knew that on my mom's advanced ultrasound. Uh, I was born with a lot of doctors around me because yeah. they knew that I was like probably going to have oh, a lot of issues. Oh, they were waiting for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I was like... They knew what was coming? Yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't know what was coming. But they knew something was they coming. They knew that something was coming. They are like, guys, Kendall's coming. You better She's get in here. <laughs> exactly. She's probably not going to be normal. Oh, boy, Kendall's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, world. <laughs> here I come. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that that, that, uh, yeah. So then there were other things like the lung things until I had a transplant and then some post transplant cancer things that were, were really fun. Um, that ended up not being as big of a deal as it originally appeared to be. Um, and then, yeah, some just like random other weird things that I think would, probably be surprising to people but like they're not that big of a deal it's yeah. like a lot of like well if it's not hurting you on a daily basis then right. it's fine right. you know so yeah. yeah i mean the main feature is the liver the stuff liver. which um you know makes it uh like uh alcohol is not really an option Just off the table <laughs> off the table yeah. um which i think is the main thing that people latch on to about my medical experience it's like <gasps> you can't drink yeah and then that we live in america that seems like the cultures that around. seems like the actual death sentence about it yeah. which is always really funny to me because i'm like that's the least of my problems yeah. <laughs> it sounds like your problem <laughs> sounds like well, you might have it really honestly <laughs> every time that happens well this is again a conversation for probably another episode yeah but every time I disclose mm. that I've had two liver transplants. It's t- honestly a lot of the time it's at a bar. Yeah. Because people are like trying to ask me to like drink and right. I'm or, like, oh, do you not drink for like religious reasons? Or um like it's always so interesting to watch people dance around that question. Yeah, right. Cause they do- they truly are just like flabbergasted that yeah. someone who's like twenty six living doesn't, in New York yeah. City doesn't drink. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, you must be Mormon." Yeah. And I'm like, "No, I'm I'm not Mormon." Yeah. Actually, I just brought my own from home. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, "No, I'm good." Uh so I it's typically when I disclose that I have had two liver transplants, it's in the the um scheme of like being at a bar and having that conversation and it's always really funny to see people's reactions and then they immediately feel they feel shocked awed and aghast that i don't drink and that they immediately are imagining the themselves trying not to drink right right which is like i'm like oh my god get over yourselves yeah and then and then they're always like oh no like maybe i shouldn't oh sorry like i shouldn't order alcohol i'm like bitch i don't really care what you order <laughs> you're like, like you're like already in a I'm bar like, it's like and they're like, like steak or chicken like pick one right. like, i don't give a i don't care they if think, you order steak or chicken it doesn't matter to me like it has no bearing on my right they just immediately internalize this this yeah. thing like oh this must be so uncomfortable for yeah. you i'm like 
I went to college. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not the worst scenario I've been in. Like having a drink at a bar. It's not especially that big when of a deal. the conversation's happening and you're already in a bar. You're like, yeah. like, oh my god, how the hell did I get? Wait, where are we? <laughs> what? <laughs> how did they I get in here? Alcohol here? Yeah, that's so um, funny. I, but yeah, yeah, so I mean, I would say now my life is defined by, um all the stuff post transplant which i think people have this sense that like you get a transplant and you're good right it's like very few people that are just like good yeah, and even where the journey the people, begins for most people even exactly yeah. and even the people who are good like they still have to deal with stuff i would say that right. at this point in my life i'm good yeah but that i mean for uh, i would say for like the 11 years post transplant i couldn't say that right so uh it, and uh, yeah, I still deal with things now that I'm good, right? In air quotes. Um, so yeah, that's that. I mean, I think that's really all I should get into at this point. Sure. I mean, get into whatever you'd, you'd like, but um, I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, um, we'll basically, I would cap it all off with saying that I've never lived a life without this, right? right. So, um, I think for the first time in my life, when I hit. 23 and had this big surgery that totally changed my life um i became i moved into this transition of being healthy right. or feeling like a healthy person for right. the most part um though i would still maintain that i'm not as good as everyone else sure but uh but healthiest i've ever been in my life and mm. i would qualify for myself as healthy and, uh, I think it like, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I was missing out on, honestly. Until you had, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, until I was like, wait, this is how everyone else is living their <sighs> life. Yeah. Holy shit. It's like when everything goes color I've been in the Wizard of Oz. incredibly shortchanged. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I think that was the realization I came to. It was like, oh, maybe I did draw the short end of the deal on life and in, in this way like <laughs> maybe all that it, wasn't so hot <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and honestly it made me look at all of those experiences in a way that I think I had never been able to because mm. I had this perspective on it like oh that was really bad yeah and I think if you accept that the stuff was really bad when you're in it it just totally it just totally destroys you you yeah. like can't move through it right if you just like got through it don't think about it just keep moving forward like that's i mean in my experience like the best way to move through my experience has been like just like face down gut through it don't acknowledge the fact that it's harming you uh, other than like one big good nasty cry where you're like run away from home for a few hours mm. and then yeah i do it big <laughs> when i do it i do it big um but then i think like now i'm sitting in this position where i'm so not i am just so not impacted in the, in the ways that i was yeah. um uh and that to me is crazy right. and i think it's totally made me go oh wait like uh, having procedures under general anesthesia, which most people would call surgeries, but yeah. I don't classify them as surgeries because they're not that big of a deal. If you call them surgeries, you're weak. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. You don't know surgery. Yeah, you don't know real surgery. <laughs> when people are like, I'm having surgery. I'm like, you had a spinal tap. Oh my like, God, yeah. People talk about that with like surgery. With like uh, like wisdom teeth. 
Oh yeah, it's I like, just had surgery. Don't even speak That's to me ever not again. Surgery. Oh, we can get do a whole episode. Town, on. <laughs> get out of the country. <laughs> I never want to hear your name again. Yeah, I know. So anyway, I used to have procedures uh, every six weeks under general anesthesia for eleven years, and that was horrible. Yeah, and a lot of like tumult added a lot of tumult into my life, um, and so now I'm like, wait. Oh, this is what life is like when you don't have to do that. Right. Like I never knew. Right. So yeah, that's, that's the, the moral of the story is I didn't know how bad I had it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think an, a huge piece of that, and this is like, you know, don't let me get in my zone cause I can go off on this. I think a huge piece of that is, is being born with it. Cause I was born with my issues. Maybe as you're well. born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's complex. Liver disease. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, is being born of it because like, you know, that is true of any, con- any state of being that yeah. any person is born into is, is, you know, and your financial situation, your, yeah. you know, the location of your, what your parents or what your family's yeah. like, anything you experience Everything. from birth is only it's like oh yeah this is just how life is right Mm -hmm. and it takes wait life isn't like this for everyone else right and that's that's true of every aspect of becoming a person i totally agree even people who don't have illness you know it's like you takes you till growing up to be like oh everyone didn't do this one weird thing that i did when i was a kid my parent you know everyone's parents aren't like this you know everyone doesn't live in this area you know it's like that's what being like you know yeah so it's but yes so i think that the illness aspect of that is that's huge to be born yeah. at that and to not know anything else and i have been i think in the same place you are as well with with how you've described considering it mentally in 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 sort of post fact yes of being like ho ho okay yeah. like getting like stepping back like walking away from the explosion a bit and being yeah. like oh god that was quite big that was that quite was big. quite big that wasn't was, it that was, wow that was real and that also no quite... one no one around you is doing that when you're in it because they don't want to totally. freak you out yeah no one around you is going like um just so you know this is insane well this my, is fully it's so insane. funny because my mom she went before I had my transplants. Um, and by the way, I only meant to have one. Um, just kind of slipped on the other one. <laughs> just, like, the other one was oh, like, oops. Yeah. So, but I w- knew I was going to have, a, I always knew I was going to have a liver transplant because that was the only, um, that was the only uh, treatment for my illness, which, uh, of course, I was like, I think I'm immune. Like, God's going to save me. Like, mm. I was very convinced that. That was for those people who had my disease, mm. not for me. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, wait, that actually is for me. Um, and so what my mom was saying just the other day was like she um, I was like totally fine. I was thinking like I was 11 when this yeah. happened and I was thinking, oh, like it's going to be like I'm just going to get my transplant. And I'm going to move on with my life. It's going to be fine. And she had obviously enough knowledge to know that like it probably wasn't going to be like that. And it was probably going to be a lot harder than I was anticipating. And she asked like a psychologist or someone like, like she doesn't understand. Like, what am I, what do I, what do I do? Like, do I tell her? Mm. And she was like, absolutely not. Yeah. Don't tell her. Yeah. Like, she'll experience it as she is, as she experiences it but right. like you don't need to like take the you know you don't need to shatter the rose colored glasses that right. she's currently living with like right. that might, might actually help her right um no, totally it totally does help to kind of not fully have a grasp yeah on it um, so especially because we're we were kids 
Right. It's like you, you, you're not prepared to process all Certainly that. not prepared. Yeah. And I think as you grow older and as you get more into those, like, um, I had a surgery, a very big surgery about two years, three years ago almost. Mm. And I remember like, and it was like the whole, the whole hog, like cut all the way down, all the way across your stomach. Mm. Same with the transplants. Um, and I had such mad respect for my 11 year old self because I was like, this is actually horrible. Oh, this yeah. is more pain than I've ever imagined I could I possibly feel. And I have no idea how I handled this at 11. Right. Let alone right. like went to middle school with like bile bags hanging out of my body. Right. Like, that's another story. Right. Yeah. Because you just crazy. don't you don't have the. The frame of reference, you know, right? I mean, I also, I think at the same time, I'm not to, not to like undersell our younger selves. I think we, I certainly, and I guess the same was for you. I think I grew up very fast. Um, yeah. I think I was very mature around for that age. Sure. Yeah. But there still was a degree of like we didn't, you didn't know, like you didn't have a. a well, a yeah, because you, like, how would you? Right. Like the worst thing that you'd seen other people go through was like, my friend got a concussion on the tire swing at yeah. school. He, that was the worst thing that I saw. He played lacrosse too hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Torres ACL. Right. Right. He's too good at having fun at recess, basically. That's yeah. like what every childhood injury is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Broke your arm on the monkey bars. Yeah. Yeah. But I did that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Jamie, your turn. Um, so I was born with a rare heart condition, congenital heart disease, which is an umbrella term. It's not rare. It's not real. Exactly. I don't want that shit that everybody else has. <laughs> give me that off menu shit. <laughs> yeah. Give me that off brand. Give me that back of the store shit. Yeah. Um, off white. Off white. Yeah. <laughs> um, which like congenital heart disease is kind of an umbrella term. There are tons of different defects and diseases that fall within that. But basically what I, uh, I kind of, I describe it as um, the majority of birth heart disease is some kind of messing up of the arteries or the veins and some kind of messing up of the way blood flows um, in, in and out of the heart and throughout the heart. Um, so what I had, uh, um, there's a lot of, pieces but the, but the big one was i have transposition of the great arteries which means the two major arteries on the top of the heart were flipped the wrong way for me when i was born so you know blood was going the wrong way so it's like everything's going in the outdoor and out the indoor so blood was not getting oxygen um was not you know it was like deoxygenated blood was going to the lungs and you know, kind of the wrong, the whole wrong thing. So I, I came out as like a very blue baby. Um, I was very yellow baby. Really interesting. Yeah, because it's all of liver, the colors. Jaundice, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed at three days old, I think. Um, and I had a series of open heart surgeries uh, from the time I was born to the time I was two and a half. There's kind of a, a prescription almost of the same you have. surgeries, kind of for for no matter what your condition is when you come out um and uh so i had a bunch of surgeries when i was really young and then around the time that i was like three or so three or four i was pretty good um and then it was kind of like you know 
go live your life. We'll see what happens. Um, I think the, the big issue I had in the first couple of years of life was mm-hmm. just like lower oxygen, a lot less capacity. I, you know, physical capacity, I got winded very easily. And, you know, my parents tell stories of, of, you know, being out in public with me and strangers coming up and kind of cooing at me and being like, Oh, someone had a big blue popsicle just now. And they're like, Oh no, that's his lips. Cause he doesn't have oxygen. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just his face. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was good for a couple of years. And then, um, you know, when I was eight or nine, uh, it was explained to me that I needed a pacemaker because my, heart was beating um, slowly and kind of uh, somewhat inconsistently. And it it was explained to me that this was because, um, you know, we all have a natural pacemaker. Our body has a pacemaker. It's a bundle of nerves inside the heart that just regulates the pace. And in one of those early surgeries, um, uh, someone, whoever was in there with a knife, cut mine by accident oh, nice. um which actually i found out happens quite a lot because it's you know can you sue for malpractice not for not for that i don't think there's statute oh. limitations for sure um oh i looked into it um, oh on really a, on a number of issues not just that one i mean yeah me too um <laughs> but uh but it's actually it happens a lot because baby hearts are tiny mm-hmm. and you know it's like yeah it's hard it's, you're knocking shit around in there so I, anyway i got a pacemaker when i was nine um, because my, you know, heart rate was probably, you know, 40 to 50 during the day and in the twenties or the teens at night, which is, you know, too low. Um, and, uh, and it was also that I didn't realize, it's another thing is like, you don't realize is I didn't realize that I was actually dizzier than I should be. I Mm. was having, you know, trouble doing activity more than I should be because my heart rate was so low. Um, and then, so I got a pacemaker and the first pacemaker was kind of an escalating series of disasters. Um, it took them a really long time to, to place it. And I got a staph infection inside the wound on the table, oh my God. Um, which I then needed, you know, um, antibiotics for. And the antibiotics um, interacted and put sent my kidneys into failure. And so anyway, I'm like, I'm like getting too granular. But um, the, the big thing was I got a second pacemaker because the first one kind of crapped out early when I was 11 or 12 and I like kind of woke up from the second pacemaker and all of a sudden had this like massive cough that I had never had before. Um, and I started over a course of a couple months coughing up these kind of like bundles of like blood and other things. And we had no idea what it was. And it turns out that, so I developed this other condition, which is a lung condition that's caused by the heart condition, mm-hmm. actually caused by one of the surgeries that I had had. Um, called plastic bronchitis, which is a very rare lung disease. Um, at the time I was diagnosed, I think there was like, you know, the known cases were, you know, south of a hundred. Um, and so age 12 to like 16 or so, 15 or 16, I spent in hospitals just trying every treatment that they could think of. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had, another open heart surgery when I was, um, 15 on the cusp of 16, with the goal of um, eliminating the lung disease, and it, it it did, and the lung disease sort of went away. But I kind of emerged from that surgery with new heart issues, and um, actually liver issues as well, with fluid backing up into my liver. Um, mm, and, what could happen? Yeah, um, but like backing backing up into my body through a process with the liver. It's like the heart and the liver were colluding, mm. um, and. 
basically had uh, basically had cirrhosis of the liver, but from the heart. Mm. Um, so dealt with that for a couple of years, then got like, you know, probably well enough, like kind of as you described the best I had been and went off to college, was pretty good in college, needed, you know, to f- change pacemakers out every now and then. And then uh, at the end of 2016, had a, had a kind of massive um, arrhythmia episode that uh, needed a lot of help. And now I have a pacemaker slash internal defibrillator. Um, and so it's I'm in this weird place kind of similar, I think, to what you described, which is like I'm actually really good most of the time. Um, and I'm kind of the most active and out in the world and in my life that I've ever been able to be. And yet there's, there's still kind of this like big looming threat. And for me, you know, the prognosis is like, we don't know. It's like, I talked to my doctors and they're like, yeah, you, you may need a heart transplant at some time, at some point, Mm -hmm. you could absolutely have more arrhythmias. Um, at least for me, the, the big thing is, um, CHD has been, as a, as an umbrella has had an improving prognosis as the years have gone on. But back when I was born, like people living into the twenties was kind of like where it stopped. That was mm-hmm. like a good case was like living into the twenties. Um, and so now obviously that's gotten better, but because it's, that's gotten better in real time as I've had this, the the basic point is they have no idea kind of what can happen next. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's, I think that's true for a lot of areas in medicine these days. It feels like as if because we haven't had like we there was like a time in the what seems to me a time in like the 70s, 80s, 90s that had like a lot of medical advancements that the stuff that we were born with, we just like wouldn't have lived. We wouldn't have lived if we were born even 10 or 20 years earlier. Um, And the good like the kind of good news is we are living now but it's also like the flip side of that is we are the guinea pigs of a lot of these advances that came along at that time so it's like yeah we're doing great but there's also this huge question mark off in the distance i mean for heart patients this surgery that i that i had that's kind of caused all these issues it was necessary at the time it was what was it was the big advance at the time that kind of let kids live but it's also like they don't the first people who have lived you know decades down the road with that circulation have just lived. So it's like, they don't know what can happen, what the body right. does after living with that circulation or that surgery for 30, 40 years. It's like, right. they're finding it out now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, it's, it's a very weird time to totally. have been born. Well, I also think like within the transplant world, I mean, there's like drugs that you take after you get a transplant that have like a lot of really bad side effects. Right. Like it's basically like don't read them because you'll get freaked out. You have to take it. Otherwise, you'll die <laughs> and reject your organ. Um, but if you take it, you'll also probably die. <laughs> like yeah, right. It's like one of those things. It's like, well, we don't actually really know what this like long. I mean, we do know long term that this is like it will destroy your kidneys you will have kidney failure you will also have cancer right and uh well so that's what we have for you but like it's i mean it's all like prolonging prolonging, life for sure right like there's not 
there's no we haven't like, figured cure. it out yeah. yet um yeah so i think that that's that's like a very i think i totally i mean when i'm in rooms with people who've had transplants and they're like everyone like say when you had your transplant like how many years post are you or whatever you go around and i am either the farthest out from my transplant of the room or uh close to it yeah and it's like i don't actually really know that many people who like i don't know i mean maybe like one or two people i've ever heard of in my life or you know have met i mean i know that there are more than that obviously that are like beyond i mean i'm coming up on 15 years post-transplant wow which is a big deal yeah um but like, yeah, there's not really that many people right. who, you know, and no one knows how long organs will last right, you, right. like what the time frame is when you will. It's like you have to get out of the hot zone of like the first year, two years, three years. And then the survival rates are good for yeah. a while. And then they don't know. They don't know after that. How long right. your your organ will last you. Right. Like it probably maybe it will last your whole life. Who knows? Right. Right. And it's, and it's, and it's the, the body, every additional transplant is, you know, is more stress on the body. It's the body's harder, it's harder to recover from. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like, anyway, it's. Though, I mean, a lot of people's second transplants are like. Go, go better. The ones that are. Yeah. That stick with them. Yeah. So. I don't know why that is. I think there's just it's like such a crapshoot. Mm, interesting. What anyway? Yeah. Um. But I yeah, uh, CHD is a similar thing. Like I've I've spoken at a couple heart specific conferences, and it's like sounds like a fun crowd. Yeah. Um. No, I've I've met some very nice people. It's just like it's very hard for me to do. Mm. Um. I've only done a couple, and it's like I haven't really tried to do it again because it's it's like there's something about it that's like much more intense than just talking about it normally. Mm. Um, mostly because it's like, it's a crowd full of parents of other kids. Oh and that's yeah. That's just a lot to deal with. For um, sure. But uh, what, what I was going to say is that at those conferences, mostly what I encounter, what I've encountered is parents of really young kids because the vast, the largest segment of the population are babies and children mm-hmm. because you know, time goes on mm-hmm. and the mortality rate starts to go down mm-hmm. and, you know, um, I mean, I mean, still presently for what I was born with, um, I think the number is 10% of kids will die before they turn one year old. Jeez. Um, so it's, yeah, it's like most of them that exist are, are the young ones. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so I'm dealing with this now. Like I have to start seeing a liver doctor actually not because of the issue I had a couple of years ago, but because, liver is on the list of the things of like, yeah, we've noticed that in the, in the twenties now liver issues start to emerge from kids who have had this surgery. So it's like, I have to watch the liver. I have to watch my kidneys. Um, I, you know, I have a bunch of like, I have like valves in my heart, like fake valves. And I asked my doctor a couple of years ago, like maybe two years ago. And I was like, yeah, so how long is that one going to last? Like, when will I need to change it out? Do you think? And she was like, I have no idea. I was like, cool. Yeah. Cool. That's definitely what I wanted to do. Most hear. of medicine is like a, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. Response. I mean, with my pacemakers, they've been always able to tell me a, mm-hmm. a date, but it, 
it's actually often also been wrong. <laughs> so I mean, I feel like, yeah, that's the thing is like they're, they don't have, they don't know. They don't know. They can't see the future. I mean, uh, as much as we want medicine to be science, it's, it's really not way yeah. more often art. Right. Because, well, the, the crazy thing is like every body is different. You can have 10 bodies that have the exact same diagnosis mm-hmm. that have been treated the exact same way and they're going to respond differently mm-hmm. because literally every human body is entirely different. And it, there's no way to predict. No way to predict. I mean, yeah. sometimes there are ways to predict, but most often there are no ways to predict. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's me mostly. That's, that's your sub story. That's my sub story. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's weird because I'm life right now is fucking dope. Like yeah. <laughs> things are going well. And yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird place to be in. I know. And do, I'm, do you feel like there's it's um easier to disclose it because it's better than if it were a really big problem in a in a very acute immediate way that's a good question yeah i think so i think so for sure um i mean one it's like i feel farther away from it Mm -hmm. than i used to Mm -hmm. and also it's not a thing like but when i was younger it was a thing i was trying to get over every day it was like Mm -hmm. let me just get through this day without this being most of what i have to deal with right And now that that's not the case, now that I can like go and do other things, it's not something that I'm like, you know, trying to get over it physically contributed to kind of wanting to brush it under, you know, um, it it felt like if I, if I looked at it, if I talked about it, if I made a deal out of it, then it was like for sure here. Right. Right. Um, you know, not that I had a delusion that it didn't exist, but it was like, it's, you know, it's getting coming to terms with the fact that like um it's always it's always going to be here so like talking about it doesn't affect that but i can feel that way i think when you're certainly when i was younger it felt that way totally you know the more i look at it the the bigger of a deal it is yeah i was fully ashamed for like a good honestly till i was 11 and then I almost had it forced out of me because it was such a huge thing. And my dad was my living donor and my town is really small. And like we had to set up a care page, which is like a a blog before blogs were a thing. Like before Facebook was a thing, it was Mm -hmm. like a way to update your friends and family about your health status all at once. Um, And so we'd set up a, a care page when I was going through my transplants and all of a sudden everyone Everyone in my town, everyone in my life knew, knew that that yeah. was like, and I think they all already kind of knew, but it was like, oh, I was uh, immediately really different. I was yeah. like this, I was that sick, sick kid, kid. Yeah, in yeah. the town. Yeah. Like, the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, everyone's got a sick kid in their town yeah. and that was me. And I just fucking hated that. Yeah. So, I mean, it actually drove me to like you know, other things that drove me to like to take that attention and put it on other people and, and, you know, try to kind of redirect Mm. it. And that's really how the nonprofit that I had started when I was 11, that's why I started it. I mean, I started it because I cared about people, obviously, No, but but I I also was like, don't, 
give me sympathy, give me your money. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. give me your money so I can give it to some, like, someone who, who needs it. Right. And, like, that can make me feel powerful and have, like, control over my situation. Because sure. I couldn't control my own life, but I could control helping other people. And that was, like, a huge shift for me. So right. it, it, like, took away the... It like allowed me to redirect like my shame kind sure. of and like hide under the auspice of like doing no I'm I, I'm doing like a and good a good thing yeah, right yeah. and like I was it was mutual right? right it was like I was known as the girl who was sick and I was known as the girl who was like doing something for other people right, right. Um, but I could so easily shift to talking about that right instead of talking about how i was like physically doing right i could just be like yeah i'm fine and then talk about what i was like working on right and so it was like you know how people like hide in their jobs or people sure. hide in some people hide in like you know bad behavior i just hid in really good behavior right right um and uh that was like such a gift because mm. i didn't have to be like you'd have to be that kid i'd have to be that kid even though i was that kid right um i could at least pretend that i wasn't that kid yeah. and then disclosure felt purposeful because it was like oh give me your sympathy and i like like if the more sympathetic you feel to my like sob story like the more money you're gonna give me for other people right. and i almost like was manipulative in that sure well i wasn't manipulative but like because that's just how people feel right but i was like oh this is a great way to take advantage of people feeling sorry for me and and you know use it to to give something to yeah, yeah. so i think that it was almost like disclosure was kind of forced on me sure in my town and my community and then I, I think, think it ends up becoming something that I was just like, I think as I got older, it became something that I was like, actually, I want everyone to know that I've had two liver transplants because right. if people know that I've had two liver transplants, they know that donating organs is, is like meaningful and it's good and it allows people to live good full lives. And yeah. then like I shamelessly promote organ donation because I'm like, I wouldn't be here without it. Right. I know a lot of other people who need organs. And if you feel like I'm a good represent representation of like what life with that gift or whatever, because like my life is fully dependent on the generosity of other people. Right. So I have to be a good representation of like what getting that gift looks like. So right. people can go like, oh, yeah, I want to do that, too, because like, right. you know, yeah, then I then other people well, get organs. Yeah, right. So now I have a whole different kind of concept around it of sure. disclosing. Cause For I'm sure. like, Oh, I'm still, I guess in, in the same way as when I was 11, it's like, I'm disclosing for a purpose. I'm yeah. disclosing not because like I want it to be my identity or what you guys, everyone sees and like places onto me, but right. rather something that I can be like, actually I'm going to use this for a really clear purpose. And that, um then doesn't feel like it's like about me sure doesn't feel like self-indulgent yeah and i think that there's a lot of self-indulgent disclosure that yeah, happens for sure um and that was just like i think we're both not attracted to that no no absolutely and and i think there is i think there is a level of doing it for yourself that's okay sure. like i i think and it's claiming that i think it's okay is, to do that and i think for there's sure. actually like um a healthy level and you know everyone comes to this in their own way but there's like a healthy level of 
of comfortability, you know. Uh, no, I think it, don't get me wrong. I think it's good that no, no, people sure. can yeah. disclose and, and do it for themselves. I could never do that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, it's like, I, I have, I have such a conflicting thought of it still in my head where maybe this is even part of the stigma I have. I conceive of, I, I think of some of my disclosure in the past couple of years as selfish, but it, but it probably is more purposeful in, in the way you're describing it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a, a book and I'm writing about it for a reason, not because I like feel like I have to, or because with no other options, I, it's just like what I would do for fun. Like I'm doing it toward a purpose. Um, right. But I agree with you there there is a lot of self-indulgent disclosure. Yeah. There's also a lot of, I think there's also a lot of like self regard and like kind of self hagiography like uh no one knows what that word word means uh, people know including hagiography. me um like like and i'm a nerd so you better describe it better i think the word i'm looking for is martyrdom al- almost there's there's this disclosure that feels like i oh, have been I'm through, sacrificing i have been through so much but i have pulled it together to be here to tell my story so that the world so that the world may be a better place yeah and i just want to state for the record for me Mm -hmm. i don't know about you kendall Mm -hmm. i am doing this to get paid (laughs) i'm doing this get that money although right now we definitely don't know that we don't don't. i'm I'm like being facetious but i'm not it's like i don't don't, actually but i would i I would would like like some coin i would like to get paid i would like some no no no. we're professionals we're trying to we're trying to start a thing here trying to monetize our our trauma which we'll be talking about as the weeks go on um but no we're not we're not we're not doing this um out of the goodness of our hearts or what remain of them uh <laughs> <laughs> in your case <laughs> um we're you know no we we want to improve the conversation for sure definitely we want we want there to be less um i'm doing this for me but i'm also doing shame. this for you that's a, okay that's this really is, yes exactly and this is a thing that it's I, a both and situation it is a both and situation and this is a thing that i think is not done enough in our culture right now and it's i think it's partially to do with the way the past couple of years have have shifted into this narrative of like everything must be important people are very uncomfortable with claiming self-interest and i think it's i don't think there's anything wrong with claiming self-interest no i totally don't like i I, uh, I meant more when i was like oh people disclose for themselves i sometimes feel like it's like i think that i guess i separate them into two different buckets right disclosing for yourself for like financial gain or, or self-interest in or that f- way or to feel good or to like like I, I just think that there's so much disclosure that happens online that's like feel bad, feel bad for, for me, me. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god feel bad feel for bad me for feel me. bad Let for me, me oh my god yeah. like like my post because i'm so sad and i'm yeah. crying out for help and there's a lot of that that helps that happens in the illness space for sure which i'm just like Oh, and and I, it breaks my heart because I know what they feel, but I'm like, you're not going to get, you're not going to get what you need and I think from these people. I think there's a lot of, 
I agree with you totally. And I think that community also, there's a lot of feedback loops that happen and I think they are getting something sometimes. And I think what people are getting is they want to see a confirmation that their experience is bad, that their experience is bad and that they've been through something that can justify like, you know, it's fine because my life's been very hard. Like whatever's going on with me, yeah. it's fine because I've, this has been very hard. And that is the thing a lot of people need. And that's the thing that's true. But it's like, I agree with you. Projecting it is a huge thing. I, I think disclosure is powerful in, in, in most ways. I think sometimes it, um, the ways in which people go about it can be interesting and and i think what you and i are talking about specifically with this is actually not limited to illness no um, no I it's actually it's, it's I think everything it's a, it's a it's a effect of like this mass disclosure kind of culture that we live in right totally now. Yeah. i mean it's like our, our tweeting our every thought yeah. or our and excavating every excavating every wound and, of yeah. our yeah, yeah past but i think the larger point is yeah we live at a very weird time where disclosure in large disclosure of anything that happens to you is hugely trendy hugely in both just like socially and culturally yeah um and it's very weird to be sick kids who grew up right before the internet and social media where literally we yes. couldn't like say all this shit everything you're saying and now we're healthy and now we're adults yeah and, and we're like i'm and sorry suddenly it's cool that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> suddenly <laughs> suddenly what? everyone wants their arm to be on fire exactly and we're like hold on i was doing this before anybody else was and yeah. no one gave two it's like shits. when you like that band before everyone yeah. else likes that band and yeah. then, then they like you know, when Fall Out Boy got big sure. and I was like, I was on Fall Out Boy <laughs> four years before you came to town. Right. And you can't help but feel a sense of like personal injury at that. Yeah. At injustice of that. Yeah, totally. It was like, it's not your fault. And also, fuck you. Yeah. Get out of my face with this. Yeah. Where was where was everyone? Oh, you think your life is hard? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Welcome to the party, guys. Yeah, you're late. I have that all the time when my friends text me or or call me, you know, after going to, you know, like a, like one doctor's appointment. They're like, "This oh, was, this fucking thing happened." It's like, it's like, yeah, you know, w- welcome. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, all of these years. So so um, yeah, that's basically it. I feel we've probably if we haven't offended you <laughs> by now. I mean. This is the, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're doing. And so if you don't like it, then then find another podcast. Find, find another. There are a lot of out there. It's actually a very trendy thing, and there's a lot out there for you to enjoy. So yeah, just but there aren't there aren't really any out there by um, young New York media professionals. So I don't know where no, else you're going to find that. No young um, media professionals no, doing not, they're podcasts. not really taking to it. I don't know. Yeah, it's like not their medium. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I think like this is what we're talking about when we say real is like we've both just said a lot of things that are very true to our experience that are in yeah. certain ways un- like, uncharitable. Do I, do I regret it? I don't no, know. No, I, I don't. I don't regret it. I don't regret it, but maybe I will on the walk home. No, but it's like <laughs> it's like I think this is the stuff that doesn't get talked about is is we can admit there's probably some uncharitable stuff that we've said totally. that is also things we believe, yeah. and there is we want to create 
a space. A safe space. A safe, uh, this is a space. A safe space and a this is a, Actually, space. this is a very dangerous space. <laughs> You're entering the danger zone. Um, a safe, like a space where, where people, we can talk about this stuff. Where people can talk about this stuff and go, yeah, m- like I recognize that everything that I uh, believe is not 100% morally palatable. true or palatable, but it is my experience. And it's all the shit that comes up when you deal with this. I also feel like I mean, that's what people hopefully want to hear. I mean, that's what I wanted to hear. That's what I've always wanted to hear. Totally. I've always wanted to hear people talk like this. And like... So we're doing it for you guys. I'm just kidding. I'm doing we're doing this for it. You. We're definitely doing look, it for us. See what I'm see what you made me do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look at what you made me do. Well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're we're saying things that the PC liberals don't want. <laughs> yeah. No, can you Those imagine PC if that's what we were doing? PC liberals. Yeah, they don't want you to hear this. Yeah. We're, we're you know they tried to shut this down. No, yeah. no one, no one cares. No, but I think it's, um, yeah, that's real. No, it's like we're yeah. This is what we mean by raw. So, um, thanks for listening to our first episode. Yeah. We hope to bring you many, many more. Yeah. And, um, a little disclaimer, uh, we are not medical professionals. Definitely not medical professionals. You should not be seeking any medical advice or information from this podcast. If you would like to, I'm sure there are plenty of podcasts that are run by doctors that are run by doctors that can, that can Help give you, you that and i mean i'm not saying don't find your medical information or from mass go, media definitely do but <laughs> yeah or just like go to the doctor go to the doctor yeah um but no we're just like uh we're just here we're just, the free shit we're the free shit we're here to talk about our experience um and you can't sue us so um <laughs> that's, yeah that's the takeaway. uh so just wanted to run through uh, our list of side effects. Yes. Side effects for this episode include constipation, skin rash, diarrhea, dizziness, drowsiness, dry mouth, headache, insomnia, nausea, suicidal thoughts, abnormal heart rhythms, <laughs> internal bleeding, and cancer. Cancer. So um, um, be warned. The, and the headaches that you could get from this are nodding too hard in agreement because everything we're saying is right and you know it. <laughs> That's a good line, so Jamie. We're sorry for being so correct. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to deal with it. All right. Well, see you next time. See you. Bye. Bye. Work it, make it, do it makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. 